Hello, hello, bonjour, welcome. I didn't want to say welcome in again, because that's the one that I usually go with. And maybe the reason I do that is because I have once again, as I do every week, loaded up the German website cagematch.net to take a look at, to discuss with you, my friends, what happened on this week's Dark and Dark Elevation I am your host, Dirk Elevation. This is Podcast Dark Elevation. We had another week, my friends. Another week. It keeps happening, and it shows no sign of stopping right now. God forbid it did. What would any of us do with our time? Anyway, let's get in to this week's show. We start off with AEW Dark Elevation number 70, Mark Henry and Tony Schiavone together where's paul white who can say i'm not terribly worried about it i don't think henry and shivani are the best combination but it is what it is mark henry wanted to talk about gas prices there for a while it it's got, it went off in some directions and and mark is particularly silly tony i would say is the the most serious of any of the people who are on commentary with any frequency at in AEW. So it is what it is, but I'll tell you what else is what it is, is you like that sentence structure. You can definitely tell that I majored in writing. Anna J defeats Megan Myers in two minutes and 21 seconds. Megan Myers did some of her acrobatic sort of contortionist stuff early. She, I guess she can, but backbridge herself very well in a way that's kind of creepy. I think she's sort of a horror take-up, maybe some kind of a Michael Myers intended by that name. It's hard to say for certain, but didn't think very much either way about her. I will see her again, I, ho I hope. I hope we get she gets another, another shot. Anna Jay has seemed seemingly converted to doing these dark singles matches after doing so many tag team dark matches. Future still uncertain for her. Interesting, though, that she has transitioned to being a singles on dark competitor when so much of the rest of the women's division has moved towards tag matches recently. We're seeing a, a surprising number of alliances, and Anna Jay currently does not have an alliance, but she has a former alliance with Ty Conti. And she very, very uh, often in the last couple months was tagging with Ruby Soho, who seems to be her new friend. And those two are now feuding as of last Wednesday. So will this become a sort of triangulated situation where Anna Jay and Ruby Soho or Anna Jay and Ty Conti becomes a... A which side will she choose type of thing. I think that could be interesting. I don't know if they're going to go in that direction. Again, it's interesting the way that she has seemingly moved towards singles matches. This was not her best singles match. She's looked really strong in a few recent ones, but it seems like they do want to get her heated up for something, and we'll see what it is. Let's, let's wait and see. That could be fun. 
the best friends. That's right. Chucky and Trent are back together once again, and they defeat GPA and Isaiah Bronner. GPA we've seen a lot recently, it feels like. It's an interesting name. It, It doesn't really... I think he points to his head when his name is said, but GPA itself does not imply... Like, even if you do very poorly in school, you still have a GPA. It's not, it's, it, it would be like calling yourself the wrestler with a win-loss record. Well, it doesn't really imply you have a good win-loss record. You just simply have one. Anyway, so we'll work on the name, but GPA clearly getting a lot of work because he's clearly doing something right. Isaiah Bronner has a, has a good look, too. I can see some more of them. The Best Friends, they do exist in the shadow of Rapongi Vice at this point. But it is nice to see them again. It's nice to see Chuck. Hopefully we get something good for Chuck coming up soon. He, is, he has some uh, natural humor that can, can be very useful for a show like AEW, which I think is very serious, but when it weaves some humor into its very seriousness, it works better than, you know, maybe a wrestling show that's very unserious and then tries to be funny. And then the there's just not enough uh, dichotomy there to make you actually laugh oftentimes. Not I'm not I'm not gonna paint with too broad a brush about when wrestling is and is not funny. I do comedy. I, I've done some stand-up in my life, and I don't want anybody to do any sort of critical breakdown of when it was and was not funny. So I will not do that to stand to to wrestling, which is oftentimes funnier than a lot of comedians I've seen. We had Jay Lethal and Satnam Singh with Sanjay Dutt defeat James Alexander and Ren Jones. I don't remember very much about Alexander or Ren. I think they were smaller guys, but also everybody looks like a small guy when they're fighting Satnam Singh. So can't can't tell you what I remember about them. I do remember that one of them got caught in Satnam Singh's sort of spinny it's it's like it's like Ethan Page's finisher, but like spinny and it looks cool and very dangerous and I don't I believe I've probably said this on the show before, but I don't like lay people my, myself trying to lay down the law of what is and is not dangerous with some there. There are certain things, you know, certain types of like headshots and, and, and un, unprotected chair shots to the head, head uh, flying headbutts. If you want to have some issues with those type of moves, be my guest. I don't think you have to be particularly well-versed in wrestling to say that like that type of stuff makes you a little uncomfortable. I think, I think there is exception to the rule, but in general, I don't like saying, Oh, that room's unsafe. Oh, that person is an unsafe worker. I don't know. These people who wrestle with them know, and they should be the ones trusted on that. So if that move is dangerous, then I think they won't do it or they'll stop doing it or they'll change how it's done. But it looks really dangerous as it is, and I'm going to take that as in the coolest way possible, that it really kayfabe messes up the opponents, and I like that. I, I am satisfied. I'm, I'm, I'm satinumfied with – all right, 
Should we should we workshop that one or should we stick with satinumfied? Are are you satinumfied? Yeah, something like that. That that that's that should be where we're going. Print up the t-shirt now, AEW. People are going to the to the arena right now. Right now, as you're listening to this, Tony Khan, people are probably pulling up to the arena in Rochester. You got to start printing out those "Are You Satinumfied?" shirts. Now, do it. Anthony Agogo defeats Pat Monix in two minutes and 38 seconds. Can't say I remember much about Pat Monix. He was up at one point, and then suddenly he got punched, and he was down. People did root for him. They yelled, let's go, jobber. So the crowd also did not have a strong connection to Pat Monix. Obviously, they boo Anthony Agogo. Anthony Agogo, once again, criticizing the United States this weekend. Once again, very cool to do if you do not support the UK. Literally anybody else. Maybe France, maybe Canada. I'll get mad if I'll get a little bit mad if you're like from one of those places. Australia, these places, I, I will get a little bit like, hey, who do you think you are? Belgium, South Africa, Israel. There's, there's, a, I, I'm just gonna lay out all of my sort of countries that I think are in the same sort of ballpark as America. If you ardently support any of those, you should really question your hatred of America. And, and whether or not it is justified. UK in particular, because you are the spitting image of the US, but you can't cook. And for that reason, I that reason, Anthony Agogo's entire anti-US character, character is undermined, and I don't like him. Otherwise, I would be so happy to root for somebody who trashes the US. But the wrestling is what really matters, isn't it? And I don't know. It, he seemed a little bit more off in this match than he seemed in other ones. Maybe, maybe the big crowd got to him. I, I can't, I can't say for certain. Maybe the two rings. He didn't. We did not see much use of the two rings on Dark Elevation, despite the fact that, as we know from the Royal Rampage and Blood and Guts, there were two rings this week, and. Nobody. I think. I think that makes sense. You save the two ring spots for the main show. People on the on the dark and dark elevation, or or I guess just dark elevation. They don't. They don't need to use up the possible spots of of a two ring circus. That you know. How about getting the third one in there? You can be a real three ring circus of of wrestling. Where would you put it? Would you do three in a row? Would you make sort of like a triangle? Would you put one above the other two? I feel like that's been done by some carny-ass promotion. But do you, there, you, you do have options. We can't pretend like there's, like there's only one way to have three rings. Hikaru Shida and Yuka Sakazaki defeat Heather Reckless and Rainy Luck in two minutes and 53 seconds. Shida is back. Yuka is back. Very happy to see both of them back. I wonder if they will continue to tag together. Personally, if I had a returning Sheeta, you wouldn't see me using her on a dark match or dark, a dark elevation match to announce that she is back in the United States. I would have found something for her to do on Rampage. 
I guess there are a lot of already moving parts with Thunderstorm, which, to be clear, I think, I like Thunderstorm as a name, but you need to, like, stylize it in some way. You can't just be straight up Thunderstorm. It has to be, like, Thunder Slash Storm or Thunder Lightning Bolt Storm, Thunder Dash Storm, I would I would even take. You you have to stylize it up in some way. You can't just call it Thunderstorm. It ha- it has it needs some a little bit more oomph, and I don't know what that is yet. But I I I think an extra character in there would do the trick. But point being, you have them. You have Marina Shafir and Nyla Rose. You need to figure out how Sheeta fits into that, or how well, let's not discount Yuka. Yuka also needs a place. But I think Sheeta is one of your biggest stars in AEW, and you've got to figure out where you're going to put her. You can't obviously you can't put her in the ROH title picture. You want to keep her and Deeb as separate as possible at this point. You don't want to. I don't think you want to put her in the the baddies struggle because I don't think you want. Chris Statlander and Athena are both like very hot right now, but I I think that they would almost feel overpowered if they got Sheeta in on there. Maybe Sheeta becomes a baddie. I again, I think that just might not be the right use for her. So you have to figure out what you're doing with her. So I get it uh, on some point on some level. I get just using her in a dark match. But on the other hand, it's your job to figure out what to do with these people. And you have your longest reigning AEW Women's Champ, which I believe is the way that sort of the queue is piling up at this point and the way that it, it, I don't think – I think Rosa has, a, had a, has done the best with what she's been given as Women's Champion. I think she's had a lot of good matches so far. I don't know if – she has changed the di- the division the way that you'd hope that she has. I I think the division is stronger now than when she started, which I think you can use to analyze the champ's reign. But I I don't think it's been this sort of mind blowing reign that you, you that I would expect to go a year the way that she just did. So I think you got to figure out something to do with Sheeta, and you and you should figure it out soon. Figure out something to do with Yuka as well. Again, this tag team thing seems to really be building, so maybe maybe we're going to see them as a tag team. And you you can I I, I don't know is it is a women's tag team tournament coming up? I do believe that it it should happen. I think that at this point we don't need women's belts uh, because you haven't done it, uh, you know designated enough time for them. For those to matter at this point, but a women's tag cup—you've already done it once. Do it again. Let's have let's let's have some fun with that. Heather Reckless—I still like Lainey Luck. I liked with Heather Reckless. I thought they were more heelish than I've seen them previously in this match. Sort of sort of playing a little dirty. Still can't get wins, so not a lot of luck for you there, Lainey. And there is no equivalent reckless pun to be made. So let's keep moving on to the main event of Dark Elevation. Who's in it? You guessed it. The Dark Ordery. <laughs> no, it's the Dark Ordery. The Dark Order versus the Factory. Something that we've seen a bunch of versions of, a bunch of implementations of. Does it matter to you which 
which iterations of either of these it was that if it was a a tag team a a, a six man tag does it matter do, does it affect how you feel about this match that we've seen so many times now after the last episode was recorded we found out that Allen Angels is going to be not part of AEW for the foreseeable future. He, he's he's left. He decided he did not want to walk, work on a per-match basis. I wish him the best of luck. I think he can build himself. I think that his time on AEW will help him in his indie career, and I think his indie career will help him get a better positioning on a televised card some point in the future. But that if if we weren't saying time to disband the Dark Order before, what are we waiting on now? We've got two tag teams left, and then sometimes Anna J, and negative one obviously is. And and I wonder why, because his his home is in Rochester, I believe. They're coming to Rochester this week. Why was he in Detroit last week? He must have done really well on his end-of-year grades that he's allowed to... Uh, it's, it's the summer. All right, let the, let the kid come to Detroit. Detroit's not that far from Rochester. It's the summer. I'd, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm taking back negative one, show up wherever you want. Negative one, stand in the middle of the next blood and guts match and just avoid getting hit. Do for sure. Is, I mean, these are professionals. They can avoid hitting... A small child in the middle of a very violent match. I I I am not going to sit here and say where he should not should should not be. He should show up in Rochester though. They will enjoy that. It's a lot of fun there. And no dark and another sign that Dark Order is on the downturn. There's no Dark Order scheduled in Rochester, home of Mr. Brody Lee. You'd think of all the places that you know that's one of the places where we got the biggest pops. Dark Order. We had the Dark Order reunite after feuding in Rochester last year. A beautiful moment between Alan Angels and Evil Uno deciding to get back together. My, I think, I, I do think the part of the Dark Order that was done in memory of Brody Lee, the, the months following his passing, where they started to befriend Hangman and and sort of had an inspiration from Brody Lee to help out somebody else. That it, it's a lot of retconning of what Dark Order was under Brody Lee, but I think that that in a lot of ways was the strongest version of Dark Order. And this is I would say the weakest version of Dark Order, even weaker than the pre-Brody Lee ver- versions. I would say it would go I would go Hangman Dark Order, Brody Lee Dark Order, pre-Brody Lee Dark Order, post-Hangman Dark Order, if I had to rank the eras of them. This is, this is not, we, we have to, we have to find a way to finish, finish this. Anyway, they beat this factory in seven minutes and 56 seconds. I guess Nick Camarado, Nick Camarado is looking more impressive to me every week. I, I don't have much else to say about that match. Anyway, let's move on to AEW Dark number 151. We have Lee Moriarty defeating Leon Ruffin 
uh, no timestamps on any of these matches. So you ask a German website to do half your job for you, and they can't even do part of that. The the extra part that you don't even actually need for this podcast. I don't I don't I don't think anybody listening to this pays very close attention. Period. But if they do pay close attention, they do not pay close attention to the timestamps that I give. I'm just reading those off. This one, I am interested in knowing how long this one was because it felt like they gave Leon Ruffin a lot of time. He he had a few spots where it looked like he might get the better of Lee Moriarty. I don't think anyone actually believed that, but he was being a little wily. They did a good job on commentary on explaining why that Lee Moriarty is not used to wrestling people smaller than him or that he was being very sort of he was he, he was small and sneaking around out of Lee Moriarty's many many technical wrestling feats, and there were there were a few fun spots in this match. The thing where Leon Ruffin jumps around the ropes by the turnbuckle is a lot of fun, and then they did tell a good story. I think that even though Leon Ruff seemed to be getting some momentum, ultimately his left arm was left too weak by Lee Moriarty's technical work on it for him to ever capitalize on the opportunity he got. So decent storytelling. At the end, I believe Lee, Lee shook Leon's hand. That's fun. I, I, I enjoyed this match. This was probably one of my favorite matches on either show. And I like Lee Moriarty, and it seems like he's doing something with Jonathan Gresham now, and I think that's a good use for both of them. Matt Seidel, devastated. I don't know how he's going to recover from, yet again, another young fella just leaving him, not not wanting to stay by his side. Dante Martin left him. Lee Moriarty left him. With very little fanfare in both instances, I may add. But in both cases, it sort of just happened. So maybe maybe Lee Moriarty will get some sort of match, or uh, or rather Jonathan Gresham and Matt Seidel. I would watch that. That sounds like a lot of fun. We've been building up Matt Seidel. I don't know what the plan is with him. Get Matt Seidel against ROH champion Jonathan Gresham. That would be that would be, that would be a lot of fun. I couldn't remember his name there for a second. The guy who I'm talking about. I think that I'm. Let, let's say when I'm bad at my job, we only have Tony Khan to blame because he's the one who does not put Jonathan Gresham on there enough for his name to have stuck in my brain. Does it matter that I've seen him wrestle live in the past? Does it matter that he's been on TV the last two weeks? I don't think so. I I think it is squarely not my fault that I could not remember his name there for a second. Bear Country defeated Adrian Alanis and Liam Gray. Bear Country, uh, a lot of fun being had by Taz and Excalibur talking about bears and and what Bear Country needs and a, and a little bear sidekick. That that was that was a lot of fun. They could have kept that going the whole episode just talking about bears, and they they did it a lot, and then they sort of reined it in overall, but. A lot of and a lot of using b words. Uh, that was that was fun. I I had fun listening to that. Bear Country 
you know, they had a lot of big time losses there and they had some injury issues. So they had some stumbling out the gate in terms of getting to being a top tag team. I think this is the perfect thing to do with Bear Country for the time being is to have them compete on dark and dark elevation. Let them build back up. They do cool tag maneuvers. People get really excited for the two man cannonball sent on. People get really excited for uh, Bear Boulder uh, holding two guys at once. Just let them let them build back up and have them have them having some fun on dark and dark elevation. I think this is the perfect place for them right now. And I think you will get what you want out of Bear Country in the future because they are better than their placement on the card is right now. I've, I've seen them in a lot of indie shows and the crowd is never disappointed by Bear Country. AQA defeated Avery Bro. Uh, speaking of people who are probably right where they should be, AQA should be doing matches like this, building up. I, I am usually fairly critical of when the women on these shows do not seem to have much of a direction. I am perfectly fine with that for AQA for the time being. I think that they had her on the Ring of Honor, the last, uh, what was it, Super Card of Honor, I think was the last Ring of Honor pay-per-view. She was there. I think that she will be at the next one, or maybe they have plans with her in Ring of Honor overall. Give her some more time to develop, work on, she's got some great kicks. I think if she can make a more offense based on her her roundhouse kicks and her drop, her drop kick gets a lot of air, I would, I would like to see more of that. Maybe give her a submission move or some kind of like octopus uh, type of hold. They she, much like Bear Country should be, should be growing right now, and then she will be something more in the future. Now, what you don't want is you don't want AQA to become Diamante or Abaddon, where you're letting them grow on these shows, and then you, all of a sudden you're looking at your watch like, what the hell are they doing with this wrestler? We have not seen AQA. We have not. We have seen. We've probably seen AQA on TV more recently than Diamante or Abaddon, if we're being perfectly honest. So, you don't want her to get in that position. You want them to have, be better positioned. And you got to figure out where. Do not do not drop AQA down the Abaddon hole, because. That sounds terrifying. Do you don't do you want to be do you want to be stuck at the bottom of a pit with Abaddon? Certainly not me. Something I do not have an opinion on quite yet, but I think is worth noting uh, is that AQA did not use her shooting star press in this match. I am of two minds of that. Of one, if I am in the crowd and AQA is there and I recognize AQA. I want to see Shooting Star Press, especially if she's going to win the match, which she does not always do. So if she's going to be a winner, I usually would like to see a, a Shooting Star Press. But also, she shouldn't let that one move define her. And if right now the purpose of her appearing on Dark is to build up her arsenal and to build up her moveset, her trying to create some moves that could reasonably be a finishing move to put some power in her arsenal is not a bad idea. There, 
But again, it's a nice suit shooting star press. I would like to see it. Josh Woods defeats Barrett Brown. Hey, I'm liking Josh Woods. He's got a two and two record now. I like him. I I think he's going to. I think I assume that he's also going to be a Ring of Honor talent when the time comes that Ring of Honor is a thing. And when that happens, I he will be one of the people who, if I see he's on the card, it will it will sort of tick up my intrigue of watching ROH. Barrett Brown, I didn't see anything from him here that made me want to uh, it's like oh you got to bring back barrett brown maybe you do i don't know but tony niece and mark sterling were out there so i guess that doesn't help barrett brown if you're in a two-man match and you're the fourth most important person ringside but tony niece and mark sterling looked like they had their eyes on josh woods i don't know how i feel about oh, we just lost to the ROH Pure Champion. What if we try to beat the previous ROH Pure Champion to prove that we're good? If he's going to beat him, they should have done that in the opposite order. I don't. Maybe they... Did they switch around the order that the card was going to happen in just to add some intrigue to Blood and Guts by, by heating up Yuta right after it uh, or right before it? I don't know. I don't I don't know what order they film these in and I don't th- I don't think it matters. I I think for a lot of people it would matter to dig into that. I'm really only interested in what the story they tell me is, not how it could have been or what it could have otherwise been. But it do- it would make more sense for if Tony Nese is going to beat Josh Woods for him to beat Josh Woods before he challenges Wheeler Yuta. But I don't know. Maybe they've got. Maybe they wanted to get Josh Woods to look more legitimate leading up to the show in Lowell, Massachusetts. The Ring of Honor, um, Ring Blood. Not looking it up. Can't. Sorry. Them's the rules. I'm not looking up what the what the name of it is. But I can tell you that it's going to be in Lowell, Mass, at the Sangha Center. Mark Henry on the previous show said that you can get good lobster rolls in Sangus. I think he may have been referring to Sagas Mass. But we love Mark Henry, and we will not hold his New England geography against him. Because it would be unlikely you get good lobster roll in Lowell. It's not particularly close to the water compared to somewhere like Saugus. And I don't know, but, but shout out to Mark Henry for, for real, uh, shouting out lobster rolls. I, I bet you Mark Henry can eat a lot of lobster, lobster rolls. Imagine how many, how many lobsters you need to put in a lobster roll for, for Mark Henry. He's a, he's a big man. Sonny Kiss defeats Lamar Diggs. Hey, look at this. Sonny Kiss getting some wins. The people demand more Sonny. People cheer for Sonny. They get excited for Sonny. Sonny is looking good wrestling somebody larger than her. Lamar Diggs, I, I, he, had, he did some fun big man spots, 
And I think that he did a very good job of sort of match and mirroring Sonny, who is very sort of elegant and and graceful in the way he moves, whereas Walmart Diggs really winged into being oafish and brutal. And I think that made for a good contrast. I'd be more than happy to see Lamar Diggs again, liked him. And I would like to see more Sunny Kiss everywhere. You know, you had to have heard what people were saying about Sunny Kiss not being on TV. You had to have seen the love for Sunny Kiss that people have. Maybe it'll be hard. I don't know what happens with, I assume Wardlow is going to win the TNT title tonight. And if that is the case, that would mean that it doesn't make a lot of sense for Wardlow to face Sonny Kiss. If by some chance Sonny Kiss, uh, or I'm sorry, if Scorpio Sky holds on, then I think Sonny Kiss versus Scorpio Sky would be a fun one-off to do. You don't, it doesn't even have to be tokenism anymore. Cause guess what? Pride month is over. Sonny Kiss did not appear on TV during pride month or the year before that pride month. So it doesn't feel tokenish if you have Sunny Kiss on in July and August. But give Sunny Kiss something to do, please. Fuego del Sol defeats Aaron Solo with QT Marshall. Hey, look at this. Fuego getting some momentum. I like this idea of give, give Heat Fuego up against the factory for a little bit. We know eventually he'll probably want to say something to Sammy. He... You don't see a lot of Fuego wins like that. Aaron Solo, probably among, if not the most important member of the locker room who Fuego has beaten. Certainly somebody who get he was on the last pay-per-view buy-in, so he, he means something. And Fuego, looking good. The, the crowd is more behind Fuego than ever. The new gear as part of the old year being stolen by Sammy is good. That That's fun. I would like to see, I hope we see Fuego up against Nick Camarado soon. I hope we see Fuego against QT Marshall. I hope we see Fuego get a partner and maybe tag team against them. Maybe Sunny Kiss. Maybe you can use Sunny Kiss for a little while there. I know that wouldn't probably be on TV, so it goes against what I said before, but make people matter. Jay Lethal and Satnam Singh defeat Darian Bengston and Gus de la Vega. Gus de la Vega, that is a four-word name, and Vega, with four letters, is the longest of any of those words. A lot of short words in that name. Anyway, this match happened. Nothing in this match was very interesting until Jay Lethal tagged out, and he did the heelish thing by taking his sweet time before he gave us that big boy Satinum. He he did not let us get satinum fired until he felt that like the time was right, which was boring to me. I wanted Satinum Singh soon, quickly. And when we got him, hey, all the stuff that I like, the big guy being very large. It's it it's working for now. I think it's correctly pl- placed. I think if if they had avoided that very foolish move with Samoa Joe the first time through, I think people would be much more excited for Zadam Singh. And I think that 
Jay Lethal versus Adam Singh cannot happen soon enough. I hope it happens with the next ROH show, and I hope that it then leads to us getting a televised match between Joe and Satnam. I know that means that Satnam will have to lose, but it will help him grow to be. I mean, we don't need we don't need we don't need a real growth from Satnam Singh. He is a very large man. We get we need character growth from Satnam Singh. God, no, I would I would not wish any more growth on that man. He's very tall. Life is probably sometimes a a, a, a difficult thing when you are taller than a lot of structures and vehicles and things like that. But I I think that he he can use some character growth. And he would mature as a character with maybe a loss to Samoa Joe. And we would say, don't give up yet, Satnam. Because there is sort of a babyface angle to Satnam Singh, if you think about it, in terms of he is a – he's from India. He I, – I don't know anything about his, how he grew up, so I'm not going to extrapolate in that direction. But it is hard to come to a new country. He was a basketball prodigy. Because of his size, he got to be drafted. He didn't, didn't quite work out for him. He's trying to do a, a career change. He's trying to work from the top, a, a position where it is often hard to, to start off in wrestling with this much hype and to follow through on it. So there is certainly a narrative by which you go, I don't really feel like booing this guy because I really do hope that this works out for him. I really do hope he is the type of phenom, phenom that I'm going to want to cheer for week after week or boo against week after week. I, I hope he does check those boxes to to be the great monster that we have not seen, maybe a really good one in a while, and especially not a monster of that size in AEW. So, yeah. Well, let's let's root for Satnam Singh to make this work, even though technically he is a heel, and he is with a heelish group. And who else would headline the show but Dark Order? Four of them against the four wingmen, and you know which four it is now because there's only four left in on the men's side of things. A lot of uh, insinuations that Ryan Nemeth is a thief or goes through people's bags. Some real inside baseball coming from Excalibur and Taz. We, we like to hear it. We, we do enjoy them goofing off. But that one might have been a little too inside baseball for me that I, I'm not sure. And I, I think in Excalibur's defense, he did make a similar note about how Ryan Nemeth probably does not like them doing this. But that's the type of silliness that they pay Taz and Excalibur the big bucks to do. They're, they're very silly sometimes. They spend a long time talking about the Costa Rican flag versus the Nicaraguan flag. And what do I tune in for except for to get some vexillological, and I hope I said that right, I, Excalibur, the the flag expert Excalibur, would be after me if I did not correctly say vexillological, which I believe is what you call the flags, or or flag study. So we have fun with that. I got nothing to say to this. Oh, congratulations! The Dark Order 
were able to overcome the wingmen in all of the versions of the and iterations of the match. The Dark Order have become a lot. A lot of people think that, especially if they don't watch AEW and don't watch AEW Dark, that Dark is like WWE main event where it's just this extra matches and they don't mean anything. And they, Dark matches certainly mean stuff in terms of they do set up storylines and they do matter in terms of win because winning and losing matters and they, you do see talent that you don't otherwise see start to develop. So they do matter in a way that WWE main event is not advertised. It's just sort of meaningless matches. It's just there to hype the crowd. So for the most part, people who say those things that, that it, or try to make an equivalence between main event and dark and dark elevation are wrong. They are flat out wrong. Except when they talk about the Dark Order, because the Dark Order is just constantly having matches just for the crowd to see a Dark Order match. And they don't matter, and they are very repetitive, as main event matches tend to be. And there's nothing, nothing here for the Dark Order. What what do you, you have to figure something else out. You have, please, you are filming... Ram, we, you know, we haven't said anything, but you are in Rochester, as I mentioned before. This is the time to do something. Just, just honor it, and and go on your own ways. And hopefully, that's what we hear at Rampage, if they do not have time for it tonight, which chances are they will not have time for it on the regular Dynamite. And. That's that's what that is. I have covered the show. This was a pretty I think you could call this a very conditioning episode of Dark. It just kept everybody in shape and where they should be. There wasn't a ton of movement up the card, down the card. There were a few things that stood out. Uh, I'm going to call this a very sort of meat and potatoes it it was not a slog to get through other than maybe the Dark Order matches that I'm starting to get tired of, unfortunately. Everything else felt like it was in a good place. Nothing like we're really wowing. But, hey, if you like watching wrestling and you like having fun, hey, then why don't you just do that instead of listening to this podcast any longer? Because I got nothing left to tell you. I'm out of things to say. So go watch some wrestling. Hopefully there's someone right now as you're finishing this. God bless. Enjoy it.